Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Brainwaves. Hear the world differently. Bringing community mental health to you, raising awareness and challenging stigma. Tune in to 3CR Community Radio, Wednesdays at 5pm. Melbourne's Drive Time Radio Program, featuring community organisations, powerful stories and information. Find us at brainwaves.org.au. Proudly sponsored by Wellways Australia. And welcome to Brainwaves on 3CR, 855am, 3CR Digital Radio and 3cr.org.au. My name is Kaylin, and from the Brainwaves team today we have Susie. And before I hand it over to Susie to introduce today's guest, I'd like to begin by acknowledging and paying my respects to the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation, the traditional custodians on the land of which I'm coming to you from today. And I would also like to pay my respects to their elders past and present and acknowledging all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders who may be listening in today. Today's show is the final show in our three-part series on perinatal mental health. Uh, Last week we talked with Bernie and the week before that we spoke with Anita, both amazing stories of mums uh, and their journeys with perinatal mental health. Um, So yeah, during this perinatal mental health series, we will talk to three different mums. Um, Today we'll be speaking with our last mum about their lived experiences and journey into motherhood uh, with mental health challenges some prior to becoming a parent and some who may have developed mental health challenges during their perinatal period. Our three guests range in age and experience and the stories that they have to share are beautiful, raw and empowering. So if you happen to miss the last week's show or the show before, I shall include a link into the the previous podcasts uh, in today's show notes. Otherwise, you can go to our Brainwaves page at www.3cr.org.au. But for now, I'm going to hand it over to Susie, who's going to introduce today's guest. My name is Susie, and today I will be chatting to Josie Smythe about her experience of postnatal depression, often called perinatal depression or PND. This is the third of, in a series of three programs we are running on this very relevant topic, even more relevant as new and single mothers have had less support than needed due to the life-saving COVID-19 lockdown restrictions worldwide. You can't imagine how difficult it must have been for new mothers. We would like to warn our listeners that some of the content in this episode might be triggering or confronting, and as such, support can be found at Panda, 1300-726-306, and the Centre of Perinatal Excellence, or COPE, has numerous support suggestions on their website. The website is www.cope.org.au. This um, website also includes counselling support numbers. Before we start, I would like to advise our listeners that I have learnt a little bit about PND both from personal experience and during my studies as a midwife and counsellor, but I am not in any way a specialist, but I was just very keen to cover the topic in our program. According to the textbook Abnormal Psychology, the sixth edition, PND can impact up to 13% of women in the four weeks following childbirth. The condition also affects fathers. Research shows that if the observation period is extended from the first trimester to one year after birth, the condition can actually affect 10% of fathers and up to 40% of mothers. 
a previous history of depression can increase the risk of PND. And adverse emotional and behavioural outcomes can then occur in children too. Now, Josie is a, a mental health advocate and founder of Smiling After PND. Josie has recovered from not one, but two lived experiences of postnatal depression and uses this experience to educate and increase awareness and reduce stigma, as well as foster support for those suffering from this condition. She runs workshops, makes presentations to a variety of organisations, and that includes hospitals and early education centres, and she fundraises for the organisation Panda as well. Firstly, Josie, is there anything else that you can tell me about yourself that is of relevance here that I missed in my introduction, something that might interest our listeners? Just that I'm grateful for the opportunity to be on your show to share my story. I don't think postnatal depression is as commonly spoken about as it is anxiety and depression. I guess so any opportunity to raise awareness is another step closer to breaking the shame and stigma that is one of the barriers to help seeking when it comes to experiencing mental health challenges as a new parent, including postnatal depression. That's right, yes. And um, I'm just thinking that possibly one of the reasons that um, there's not as much attention paid to it is when people are suffering from it, they don't always let people know that they're not coping very well because there's so many expectations on what you meant. You're meant to be a happy mum and you're meant to be coping and um, that sort of thing. Um, Josie, a lot of people think that the common phenomena of the so-called baby blues, which occurs usually on days one to five following childbirth, is the same as postnatal depression. What's the difference and what symptoms occur with the baby blues? And typically, what symptoms can you experience with postnatal depression? This is a really important um, factor you raise, and I think that's one of the reasons perhaps another reason why uh, some parents don't reach out for help because they, they are overla overlapping symptoms between the baby blues and postnatal depression. Yeah. So with the baby, blue, baby blues, they usually occur during the first week or the first few days after the baby's birth, and then they usually uh, resolve on its own. Now, with postnatal depression... The difference is that the symptoms don't go away on their own. They become more pronounced and they then start affecting um, your, your capacity to function mm. both mentally and physically and if left untreated can lead to suicide. And we know this because one of the most common causes of maternal death is suicide. And so with the symptoms, given that they mimic the baby blues, they can be, you know, feeling sad uh, crying more than usual, feeling moody, restless or anger is yeah. a common symptom yeah. and difficulty concentrating. These are just, just a few of the symptoms. But as you can see, the baby blues are the same. But as I said, because they clear up on their own, um, then the, the person can go on and, and parent um, in the ordinary way. But with postnatal depression, it's, it's something that does need uh, treatment mm. to recover. Well, well, just talking about yourself now, Josie, when did you realise that things were not going well for you mentally following the birth of your first child? What sort of symptoms did you have and how did you regain your equilibrium? 
So I had those symptoms plus in addition to that, um, my appetite was lacking. Um, anger was definitely one of the, the common symptoms. Um, my behaviour changed. So what my normal disposition was, which is um, quite, quite a happy, um, you know, can function um, with, with um, all the parenting duties that needed to be done. But I was just miserable. I also felt detached, like I was having an out-of-body experience. Yes. And that, that became really quite scary in the later stages. So this was about the four-month mark, which is when people typically get um, treatment for postnatal depression. I started to have suicidal ideation and that's when it was really scary. And I knew that this wasn't the baby blues and it needed um, urgent attention. And that I, I think because my behaviour changed, family and friends also noticed me not wanting to eat, not answering the phone, cancelling plans at the last minute. Yes. Um, I just had no expression and I was constantly questioning my parenting, um, sort of like a paranoid questioning and that's not my normal disposition. And so family and friends pointed it out and said, look, we're really worried about you. You're not your normal self. Um, you know, what can we do to help? Have you spoken to your GP? And they pointed out uh, postnatal depression because I didn't know yes. um, that, that that was something that could happen after you give birth. I just knew about the baby blues. And in your case, it went from the baby blues right through to this point at four months when your friends and family were um, trying to help you. That's right. And then once I things started to change for me, once I went across to the GP I managed to get into an appointment that day, so I was very lucky. And I was given an Edinburgh postnatal depression scale to fill out, so it's a questionnaire. And I was very honest um, in answering the questions. And then uh, the GP reviewed it and said that I had scored high for symptoms of postnatal depression. And once I heard those words, I felt immediately I felt a sigh of relief that wow, what I'm feeling has a name and then was also told that this is actually treatable. Yes. And once we get on top of the symptoms, you can return back to your normal self and that's exactly what happened. In fact, upon recovery, I became healthier and happier um, because it actually um, encouraged me to address uh, anxiety that I had since childhood. So it's, yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey. That certainly is a story. Wow. And what interests me about the symptoms that you mentioned was the anger. Um, was it anger at yourself or uh, just a, a general feeling of anger all the time? That's right. It was irritability. I think coupled with no sleep, not eating, um, not feeling myself, that's correct, anger in myself, thinking why can't I parent my own child? You know, this, this should come easily to me. And anger at not knowing what it was, it mm -hmm. was all these questions and I'm, I'm kind of a person that needs to know everything and I just couldn't get on top of this and I was thinking, okay, tomorrow it'll get better. Well, the next day came and then the next day it was worse. Yeah. So the fact that it, it wasn't improving, it was only getting worse, was just um, quite frustrating to me. Yeah. So you say that at about four months your family intervened and you saw the doctor and you completed that Edinburgh scale, you, you scored very high. Um, 
what sort of treatment did you undergo on on this occasion that helped the most? So because I uh, mentioned on the postnatal depression scale that I had experienced suicidal ideation, I was on the upper end. And so my GP decided, given the way I was presenting and how I was feeling, that I needed to commence antidepressant medication immediately. Yes. So I was given a a course of antidepressants with a referral to a psychiatrist to manage the medication because I'd never been on antidepressants before. Mm -hmm. And the GP felt that this actually needed to be managed under a psychiatrist, which was great because the antidepressants that the GP had prescribed were not working. They were not strong enough. So once I'd had that appointment with the psychiatrist, which was within three days, I said, um, this medication is having no effect at all. In fact, it's exacerbating my symptoms. So then we changed medication. And once the medication changed, I was asked to be patient. And within two weeks, the symptoms the suicidal ideation resolved itself, yeah. um, but I was still quite ac- anxious. And the GP also, together, we completed a mental health care plan yes. and that enabled me 10 sessions with a psychologist um, rebated by Medicare. And the great thing about that is I was able to have six sessions with the psychologist. I then went back to the GP and we had a bit of a chat about whether or not I was gelling with the psychologist, whether there were any improvements. And thankfully, she pres- she referred me on to a perinatal psychologist that specialised in postnatal depression. So I was really, really lucky in that the medication was working, the talk therapy was working um, to challenge my negative thinking. And, you know, in that first episode of postnatal depression, it was about Two, two to four weeks where I started to notice a change and things started to improve. My appetite increased. I became more social. I was connecting with other mothers in my area through story time, which mm. is carried out at the local library. I just I woke up one day and realised, ah, this, this is how I imagined being a parent would be. And not that every day was easy, you know, between teething and and you know, Leo being ill and, um, you know, the sleep regression. Uh, but most days were, were really fabulous and, yeah. um, and just such a, such a difference from when I was suffering postnatal depression to recovery. Yeah, that's fantastic. So you've done everything right. You've been very proactive. Um, did you do other, like there's other things that are known to help with depression, such as exercise, that's got a lot of efficacy around it and healthy diet. Did you do things like that? Yes. So the other thing that I noticed in myself is that I wanted to do that. I would put Leo in the pram and we would go on a walking trail and do at least an hour of walking a day. Um, but even just being out in the fresh air and not um, isolating myself in the house. So yes. another one of the symptoms I experienced was when my husband would leave for work, I would, he'd open the blinds and, you know, let the daylight in. And once he'd leave, I'd close all the blinds yes. and have everything dark. Yeah. And then once I recovered, I realised, oh, I, you know, I so enjoy getting up and getting ready yeah. and getting out of the house, going for that walk. Um getting that exercise in because I felt like it because I felt strong enough to do that Um, and knowing that that's actually assisting 
um, to get the endorphins going and That's- eating healthy and nutritious foods, not all the time, <laughs> yes. but, but most of the time knowing that that, that also would um, assist in my recovery. Yeah. So last I heard, exercise has almost as much efficacy as medication in the treatment of depression. Um, and obviously diet and gut bacteria, gut bacteria connected to um, uh, the chemicals that your brain produces. Um, yeah. And also just getting vitamin D. So low vitamin D can lead to depression or is linked to depression anyway. Yeah. As I said, I'm not a specialist, but you pick all this stuff up over the years. Exactly. And it's interesting that you say that because that's been my focus this year and understanding the link between gut health and mental health and how diet plays a part in what we eat. But it's not even it's not even about what we eat. It's how we eat eating mindfully. I know as a new parent, I was eating standing up or missing a meal or, um, you know, going straight for the junk food because it was the easiest because you're so tired and running on empty Mm. Um, and just knowing, no, I've got to look after myself to be the best parent I can be and to say, no, I will sit here and I will eat my food mindfully and I will actually also have a cup of tea because I'm worth it. Um, just as much as I'm nourishing my child, it's also important to nourish myself. And that made me feel really um, much more content in myself. Mm. Now, look, I'm just interested because you said, I, I am aware that you did suffer PND following the birth of your second child as well. And did this impact you the same way? Or what was different about this? The, the second experience that I had with Hugh, uh, with Hugh, <laughs> with Lily, who was my second child, um, was that I was able to tell my husband, Hugh, I think I'm experiencing postnatal depression again. Whereas in the first instance, I had no idea that that's what I was experiencing. I just thought, oh, this is, is this what new parenting is all about? This, this doesn't feel right. Whereas the second time around, I knew that these are symptoms of an illness and I need to go back to the GP and I know what treatment path I need to go on. It was more just uh, an inconvenience and annoying, but not, um, it wasn't scary as it was. It was just, okay, I know now that this is what postnatal depression is. I know I need to get treatment and I know that I will recover because I've recovered before. Mm. Um, but I do have to put the work in. I do have to go back to talk therapy. I need to go back on my medication. I need to make sure I rest. Um, the thing with Lily is that she was getting up every 40 minutes. And so for me, one of my um, protective factors is getting eight hours of sleep a night. And I was not getting that at all. Um, it was broken sleep. And so that, was, that wasn't that was going to change because she's a baby and they do what they need to do. So in order to, I had to dig into my toolbox, which was having yes. the medication and having people come over and support me, watch Lily whilst I had a nap. Yes. Um, yeah, so that's that was the difference. And recovery looked a lot different. And again, um, knowing, the second time round was knowing, oh, okay, now I need to start collecting tools in my toolbox I'm going to become more aware of what what helps me to keep mentally well and knowing that I'm actually now susceptible to anxiety and depression post postnatal depression. So I've got to do the work, you know. Yes. It doesn't come easy, but it's so worth it. Yes, and it's good that you recognise that you have to draw on resources um, and sometimes it's hard to ask for help, isn't it? So 
yeah, we mm. cannot recover in isolation. I, I don't believe it's family and the community. It's, it's two pronged. The other thing is as well, when you said about the medication, doctors will often advise you if you go, have to go on um, antidepressants that they don't always kick in straight away. They can take two weeks to a month and not every medication reacts the same for each person. So when That's you were right. saying that you had to change medication that first time, it's worth people knowing that you don't just take a tablet and immediately you get better. It takes a while. Yeah. And that's why um, it's there's research out there that shows that people who start medication usually cease it in those first few weeks because they haven't been advised that there are side effects. You actually, I actually became a lot worse when I commenced it. Yes. That so having happen. that education around what will this antidepressant do to my body um, and to hang in there and know, okay, this is what's going to happen. But in the next few weeks, the symptoms will start to slowly slow down. But what also helped me was to have appointments with the GP once or twice a week whilst I started the medication. So I would see the GP once or twice and I'd see the psychiatrist once a week. So I was almost, it was almost like an observation period um, because my suicidal ideation was still there. And I also had my family and friends around um, to make sure that I was resting and eating and being there when the symptoms were really were, were, were far worse. Yeah, you sound like a very, very strong person because you've definitely been so proactive. Um, now, you, were your husband and children impacted? I know that my husband became my carer when I became unwell. So the relationship changed from becoming a husband to being a carer. Now, he was also still navigating his role as a new parent. So that was really challenging on him. And I also found that the bonding was impacted between me and my child, whether it be Leo or Lily, because I was not myself. And there was a barrier between us. And that barrier was the depression and the anxiety. And so that's why I do the work I do to encourage people to get help as quickly as possible so that, you know, we can get back on to being the parent you want to be and get that bonding happening because that's so crucial in those first few months um, that I now, you know, I, I, I feel so sad about it, but know that that's a story I'll be able to tell my children to educate them. Mm, absolutely. Now, look, we're running short on time now, but... Uh, we could talk for hours about this. Yes. But uh, what measures can be taken to prevent or reduce the severity of PND? So next time, if you decide to have another baby, um, you've already said that you you were more aware the second time, so you were able to get into interventions early. But are there other things that people can do, support networks and things like that that you're yes, aware of? Yes, I was thinking about that, um, you know, what would happen the next time round. And I think that having a great relationship with your GP, so I would go to the GP and say, not even if I was pregnant, but considering it and what and you know what support networks are in the local community. Also having that open communication between the GP and if you're going through the private system, the obstetrician or your midwives, so that they can get in touch with the GP. So it's about having these open lines of communication I also, um, my family and friends now know what my symptoms are. So if they see changes in behaviour, that they quickly alert me and say, Jose, look, you're not answering your call. It's been three times this week. What's going on? Um, in the community, there are parent groups that you can join up um, with. Um, also in, my, 
in my I have a private Facebook group and we do monthly walks um, for one hour. So that's another way to connect with other people in the community. Um, I think it's also about, yeah, being aware of what, what keeps you mentally well and what's your general disposition so that you know if that's not who you are and if you're feeling changes or something's not quite right, who do you feel safe with and trust? Who can you tell? So it's about building up that network prior to even thinking about conceiving so that by the time that happens, and hopefully it doesn't happen, but if it does, you've got all those tools ready to go. That's fantastic, yeah. And you were saying about um, support groups, but often local councils will um, have uh, groups that you can join as well. Um, where can our listeners go for further information and support, Josie? So there are a few options available. So there's Perinatal Anxiety and Depression Australia, also known as PANDA, and they have a website that's full of resources which and they also have the, have their own um, Edinburgh scale that you can put your symptoms in and then it gives you back um, the results. And I, I always think that that would be a great tool to start conversations with your GP or your maternal child health nurse. Um, as I said, speaking about maternal child health nurses, they're also great. They also have so many more resources that, that would be linked in with your local area. I know when I had postnatal depression with Lily, they linked me in with a postnatal depression support group. So I thought that was great. Um, there's an organisation called COPE, that's C-O-P-E, and, again, they have resources available. Gidget Foundation is similar to Panda and they also have um, resources available to support new parents. Now, this is not just mums but dads as well because they can also be impacted by postnatal depression. Um, there's also my private Facebook group that listeners can go to at Smiling After PND Mums Group and my website, www.smilingafterpnd.com. And you have um, an and Instagram. We, and my Instagram, which yeah. is at Smiling After PND. And so we're slowly starting to build up a community of, of women and men um, who are going through similar situations, or they may also be supporting someone who may be experiencing postnatal depression and just want that extra level of support. Uh, so there is support out there, um, but it's just about having that awareness. And I hope that by sharing my story, it, it helps to raise awareness, break shame and stigma and encourage that early help seeking. Look, Josie, thank you ever so much for taking the time to come onto the show. And I'm sure that there'll be a lot of listeners interested to hear your story and I'm, I'm sure it'll give them a lot of hope. The key thing is that the condition is treatable and, and manageable. Um, and it's very important that people seek help and support if they're not coping well, that they really need to enjoy the experience of parenthood to the fullest possible degree. As you said, even when things are going perfect, it still can be challenging. Um, and we, we just hope that our listeners can take strength from your story, and I'm sure that they will. Thank you again ever so much. Thanks so much, Susie, for having me. That's great. Thanks. Thank you, Josie, for coming on the show today and sharing your knowledge and insight with our listeners. And again, thank you, Susie, for uh, interviewing Josie today. That was fantastic. I hope that everyone has found something in today's show that will be of use to them. Um, once again, if you did find anything in today's show distressing or you would like to talk to someone about your own experiences with uh, perinatal mental health challenges, 
then you can call Panda on 1300 726 306 and I'll put up a link uh, to COPE in the show notes if you'd like to check out their services as well. Uh, now that was our final episode on our three-part series on perinatal mental health. I'd like to uh, say a big thank you to the Brainwaves team especially Terry and Susie for your warm and supportive interviews and to our guests Anita, Bernadette and Josie. Thank you for having the courage to share your stories with our listeners. We hope that everyone has enjoyed the series and as mentioned you can find the whole series as well as other episodes of Brainwaves um, on the Brainwaves page uh, on the 3CR website 3cr.org.au or on Spotify or wherever you download your 3CR podcasts. If you have a story to share or if you'd like to send us feedback or suggestions for future shows, please email us at brainwaves at wellways.org. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. Please stay safe. Uh, We will be back next Wednesday at 5pm for another episode of Brainwaves on 3CR. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.